ferret through his shorts in the laundry and find it in five minutes tops. But I can't bear the thought of getting down and up the steps again when my legs are only now starting to feel as if blood courses through their veins. Besides, I haven't given up hope he'll develop a prostate tracking device if I stop aiding and abetting. I hold out even greater hope for my son. I started his training at a much earlier age. I hear Zen still turning over stacks of papers, books. I try not to feel guilty lying here while everyone zips around the house trying to find what they've mislaid. Things have a way of turning up, I say, calling down to my husband from between the banister's railings. I stare at the overflowing laundry basket, still waiting for me where I set it down. Keep on keeping on. Sometimes I resort to instructing myself as if I were talking to a small child. You can do this. Really you can. The familiar inward-onward charge. Suddenly I feel all my brain-body fatigue coiling up tight inside. If my life were an economics problem, it would be easy to see, black and white, the figures right on paper. Daily exertion, plus life demands, is greater than bodily stamina. My son clambers up the stairs two at a time and steps over me, his French book under his arm. He sets it on the floor and offers me both of his hands to draw me to my feet, though he knows that in a minute or two I will get up on my own. He is smiling, glad, I think, to be bigger than me now, stronger than me, able-bodied enough to help me out. And late in the day, I have to admit, help is nice. Thanks, honey, I say, as he pulls me to my feet yanking a tad too hard. He doesn't yet realize his own newfound adolescent strength. No matter how often we tell him that the force he packs when he wrestles with his dad or bear hugs me is five times what it was six months ago. Watch my back, I sputter. He tries to compensate by resettling me against the wall. Too much. For a second I stand against the wall, eyes squeezed shut making sure neither of my slipped discs has slipped any further. Sorry, he says. His face wells up. Sorry, Mom. I lose the growl. I smile at him. He is a lovely boy. Young man. I remember him at two, planting daffodil bulbs with me in the garden, his face welling up when a bumblebee he was watching with delight turned and stung him between his eyes. When life turns from grace to pain in a flash, he takes it hard. And I have given him, I think, too much experience with that. All good, I say, opening my eyes. Can you go over my French vocab with me? He asks. I'm glad to hear myself utter. In ten minutes, instead of, God help me. I head to the linen closet to stack the swim towels in a neat pile beside the bath towels. In truth, God, or some great benevolent something, has helped me. I know that I am a very lucky woman. I've been paralyzed twice and learned to walk again. My heart beats via a pacemaker. Drugs make my thyroid work. Physical therapy helps manage muscle and bladder spasms. And some of the best doctors in the world keep me going, despite low blood cell counts and clotting factors and nerve damage and slipped discs and spells of recurrent fevers. I'm still here. My children have seen it all.
It's our normal, or sort of. They know the toll illness can take on a family that loves each other. But they don't, or at least I hope they don't, know how much illness steals from me every moment, every hour. That illness is my joy thief. I am thinking of one Monday afternoon, a month ago. The kids, out of school for parent-teacher conferences, are at home while I race up to Baltimore, an hour north of where we live, for meetings with their teachers. Fun, because it's good news. Then a meeting with my hematologist at Johns Hopkins. Not all good news, so not so fun. By the time I get home, I've been driving all day, and fatigue reverberates through my cells. I am ready to shawl myself in my own small world. My fake it face can't be glued on any longer. I come in from the garage to find...